Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Rangers Review Morning Briefing for uh, Friday, December the 30th. It's our last show of 2022 before we return next year, folks. We're going to do a bit of a, a little recap of the, the previous 12 months, some uh, amazing highs and some lows as well. Um, I'm Derek Clark, and I'm joined this morning by Joshua Barry. How are you getting on, Joshua? Yeah, good, Derek. Looking forward to Looking back on the year, but there's a lot to fit in, and obviously the game yeah. is big on a Monday. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, before we do that, folks, um, just a, a reminder, as ever, we've still got that Christmas offer on. It is nearing an end, I'll just tell you that right now. Um, so if you haven't taken advantage of it uh, yet, then uh, time is running out to do so. Um, two offers on the website just now. Uh, one, as you can see, a little ticker below, two months of coverage for just one pound. Um, and we have an annual subscription as well, where it is 25% off. Uh, so you can get a, a year's subscription to the website for just £26. All you have to do is go on to rangersreview.co.uk forward slash subscribe uh, and uh, sign up. It's dead easy. And you can see the banner on the screen as well. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel for free, uh, nearing uh, 10,500 followers now, which is quite incredible. Um, so if you want to do that, you can do that uh, as well. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, right, before before we crack on, uh, as Graham Corkin just uh, pops in the comments here, uh, I wanted to mention this, of course, sad news yesterday in the world of football. Uh, it says, uh, morning, gents, not Rangers-related, but R.I.P. Pelly. Um, yeah, sad news. I think we all knew it was coming at some point, but absolute legend of the game. Arguably the greatest player of all time. Won three World Cups with Brazil in 58, when he was only 17, no less. I think we've all seen the clips of him knocking the ball over the defender's head and volleying it into the back of the net. Uh, I think he scored a hat-trick in that final, if I'm not mistaken. He won it in 62 uh, and then again in 1970, which is uh, highly regarded as the best Brazilian side of all time. Uh, and everyone remembers watching clips of them uh, pummeling uh, Italy in the final uh, over in Mexico. I think it was 4-1 it ended. Um, I mean, you never seen him play, uh, Joshua. I'm sure yeah. your dad uh, has told you all about him. Uh, I've actually got a, a weird obsession, you could say, with I've got a... Uh, a bit of art in my, in my room and two bits of memorabilia. I was auctioning off all his uh, belongings a few years ago and I've managed to get a few uh, weird and wonderful uh, Pele items uh, in the house. But um, yes, yeah, sad day yesterday in the world of football. Yeah, I didn't know. That's a good little uh, story there. I didn't know you had collector's items. Um, yeah, I, I was just watching some, like everyone probably watching some kind of clips on YouTube and <clears throat> reading some articles about him. Uh, last night and this morning, I think, as you said, he'd been ill. I think it was around the World Cup time that it seemed to really deteriorate. But yeah, um, yeah sad day, obviously, not that long after. Maradona as well. Um, it's, it's interesting looking back as well on, on football in 58 and how different it would be. And But I noticed that a good comment on Twitter as well, which was that, um, you know, people will maybe sometimes play down um, the level of football, although that probably isn't right to, to do so yeah. from, from 60 years ago. And I guess in response to that, you'd also always say that, well, Pelly could, you know, th think of the challenges that he took compared to yeah. what a winger would take these days, you know, playing in very difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. So, um, yeah, enjoyed watching some of those goals. Um, but sad news, especially so soon after uh, Diego as well. Yeah, I was fortunate to, to meet him, actually. He was doing a, a tour uh, a few years ago as well. He was down at Elland Road. And, uh, yeah, he, he looked pretty frail but back then, but it was a, an absolute pleasure. It was a, a real 
icon uh, of uh, football and a, a sad day yesterday uh, losing Pelly. Um, right, let's talk Rangers, uh, Joshua. Um, we're going to do a wee bit of a review then, looking back on what has been a turbulent 12 months, it's fair to say. Mm. Um, back in January time, if you remember, there was a, the, 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 I think it was the COVID outbreak, wasn't it? It was pretty rife and mm. the, the, the old firm New Year game was uh, pushed back and, you, and there was a bit of a bit of controversy surrounding that. As to whether it should have been, I know that the fans, I think there was a temporary uh, uh, suspension on supporters and grounds. Mm. Um, however, Rangers came back after that break and, and it all went sort of horribly wrong, doesn't it? It's been pretty much, apart from the 55 season, it's been the story of uh, Rangers' uh, recent campaigns in the league where they come back after uh, a winter break and they stumble and Rangers stumbled, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Petaudry was a the yeah. first one up there, um, and uh, yeah, they, they found themselves with that that healthy lead at the top of the table um, being decimated. Yeah, we, you do wonder, kind of casting your mind back a year, Derek, if that break hadn't gone, mm. if, if it would have been different for Van Bronckhorst, if they would have went and won that New Year's Old Firm. Um, obviously, you could then look at the 3-0 game and say that regardless maybe of, of personnel or certain injuries that Rangers would have struggled because they, they did on that night. Um, if you cast your mind back to this time last year, what were on the 30th of December, I think Rangers had beaten St Mirren on Boxing Day. They, they'd started yeah. to look pretty good at home for me under Van Bronckhorst. Um, they'd obviously got those kind of away wins against Hibs and Hearts and, and Livingston, quite functional, but um, they were games that I think under Gerrard always carried quite a lot of emotion and Van Bronckhorst seemed to kind of we know what type of manager he was and I think everyone thought there was a benefit of the way that, that he approached those games and then you started to see him at home to, uh, I think it was St Johnston, um, maybe Dundee and St Mirren in those three games before the winter break and, and just the variation and doing something different always carries quite a lot of, I think, gravitas when you're a new manager but you're right, then you get into the, the new year um, the Aberdeen game, which was, from a Rangers perspective was a bad game because they kind of gave up control of the match. Yeah. And I remember after it, the manager's reaction to that was quite um, quite relaxed. Uh, and then obviously after a couple more bad results, the, the drop points in Ross County, which was a huge weekend in the title race because Rangers concede late, Celtic score late. Then the, the old firm happens uh, after that and, and Rangers never recovered to reach uh, the top of the table. So I guess it's where it all started to to go wrong domestically for Van Bronckhorst, kind of, I think, from the start. Um, but that was obviously covered up by something else that would, would happen in the months after and, and mainly in February when Rangers went away to Dortmund. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think in the league, a comment came up there that was uh, been disastrous pretty much in the league. But uh, there were those uh, European highs. Before we get to that, James Strachan just pointed out here, I saw Pelly playing for Santos. Wow, mm. that's incredible. Absolute legend for, for, for Santos, uh, James. That must have been uh, that must have been quite something. Um, yeah, so the, the league, I think everyone remembers, uh, unfortunately, that trip to Parkhead. I think everyone can, was sort of fearing that, Joshua, but the... the Rangers crumbled, and especially in that first half at Parkhead. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be the, uh, the 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 last time we'd see that in in the calendar year. Um, it just went all horribly wrong for them there. Um, however, um, to coincide with that, the trip to Dortmund. I don't think anyone would have seen that. That was one of the greatest European performances I think I've ever seen from yeah. a Rangers team. Um, winning over there by four goals to two. Um, it was uh, it was quite incredible. You're sitting watching the TV in in, in disbelief. 
Yeah, oh, 100%. I remember when that third goal went in and, and you just, it, the, the shock was, was real, wasn't it, when Lundstrom, yeah. yeah, I think it was Lundstrom for the third goal. And, yeah. and that was Van Bronckhorst's great strength, I think, his ability to, to make these tactical, clever game plans in Europe and, and target opposition weaknesses. You know, Dortmund <clears throat> obviously had a lot of really good personnel, um, but I, I think that obviously their manager was sacked and I think it was Marco Rose at the time quite... Um, maybe a traditional counter-press and German manager and and Rangers were able to kind of take advantage of that. And then the home game at Ibrox, which I remember the pre-match atmosphere for, for that game was was really special. The support were in there so early. Um, and that was a roller coaster of a game as well because Rangers took the lead and they go 5-2 up on aggregate and then Dortmund start to just kind of... Um, eventually show up in the tie. They could have had... They could have... Uh, leveled the 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 tie on aggregate before half time. Then Van Bronckhorst makes that switch at half time, and um, Tavernier ends up scoring the the second goal, getting on the end of a, a Bassi um, cross. Obviously, Bassi at this time is starting to kind of make his rise as a centre back as well. Yeah. And I think after that game, that was so, in isolation. We maybe sometimes forget how big a win that was because obviously Rangers get all the way to the final. And um, but to beat Dortmund, who you know, let's not forget where the, the favourites, I think, for the competition at that stage. Um, yeah. Yeah, a, a really memorable tie and, and, a, and an incredible game to look back on. Yeah, it didn't quite happen in, in the league. Uh, Rangers stumbled, but that European run, Joshua, uh, that will live long in the memory. Um, not, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to go to Manchester, the, the 2008 run, and there was a feeling there of, uh, let's get to penalties, uh, this Rangers team. But, I mean, they had to play about six million games in two weeks, right enough. But uh, there was a feeling that they were on their last legs. But this Rangers side were blowing teams away in Europe. Um the Braga game will live long in the memory. I, I think they, I think that was was a record breaking XG that night. And in, in yeah, almost six. Yeah, it was it was yeah. quite something. Um, there, there was a scare, however. Remember when Braga scored the the head and it went to right? I think it went to extra time. Is that right? Or, yeah, yeah, it went to extra time. Yeah. I mean, Rangers. That I think Kimmer have had two offside goals. Obviously, we've got the Red Star game where Rangers kind of blow them away in the, in the yeah. first leg, and then. The, the second leg over there was just a weird game where I'm still not convinced that Rangers <laughs> strung three passes together. Well, they missed a penalty, didn't they, Red Star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Red Star, that game probably should have been 3 all because, I mean, yeah. maybe not. Red Star had a couple of offside goals, but they also hit the bar uh, from about 35 yards. Um, they, they missed a penalty. Al McGregor saved the penalty, as you say. And then the Braga game where... Um, that was just after, I think the Braga game at home came just after the old firm defeat in the league. So there was a general feeling yeah. that Rangers season could be about to unravel. And I think based on previous, the previous record in, in the Cups, because I think they played Celtic at Hamden that Sunday. Um, and the fact that they looked, I, th I think at that time you're starting to see, I remember in the away game away at, um, at Braga, people were starting to, to question, well, what is it we're actually watching? Because you compare the last game against Braga when Steven Gerrard's really definable um, team and what they were trying to do and they, and they looked recognisable and then you compare that to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's uh, and I think people were starting to see, well, w w when Rangers can't be really aggressive and can't push high up the pitch in these Ibrox home games, is this good football to watch? And I think the common consensus was, was probably no. But then you take it back to Ibrox the week after and Yakima Roof has a couple of goals offside. You score within two minutes. And then I think Rangers actually took the lead, but the goal was shopped off or offside for that uh, ridiculous Barisic handball. Um, and then eventually in, in 
in extra time. Um, I think it's Joe Rebo and Glenn Kamara combined on the right and playing Kima Roof. And, and I think even that that moment, Derek, Rangers had really had a, a bad tendency of not recovering in games. If you remember back to the Gerard era, the Malmo game is a perfect example for me where they had a lot of time, <clears throat> but never felt as though they had the, the confidence or the ability um, to, to, to turn the game around. And they managed to do that against Braga. And I think when you get to the semi-finals, even though it's Leipzig and, and, and the level goes up again, there was a general feeling that, well, you know, you've got through three rounds. Um, so <laughs> why not go one more? Yeah, uh, it really was quite incredible. I was in Braga, actually, and it, was a, it wasn't a classic Rangers, I think, fortunate to come away uh, with just a 1-0 defeat in that one. But uh, at Ibrox, they were a different animal, um, and teams really crumbled when they came there. Billy Scott gets in touch about the Dortmund game. Uh, we forget that Big Haaland didn't play for Dortmund. I don't think the fans he'd come up against uh, Leon Balogun and Connor Goldson, Joshua. That's the, that's the conclusion I'm coming to uh, with regards to uh, that one. But uh, yeah, listen, that... Yeah. Rangers' uh, performance in the halftime switch, bringing on Balligan at halftime at Ibrooks, I think, was uh, a masterstroke from, from Giovanni van Bronckhorst. He certainly seemed mm. to uh, show his coaching credentials in, uh, during that European run. And also the Scottish Cup run, yeah. Joshua, which he would go on to win that match against Celtic. I think that was a big one. It was a big week for Rangers. I think they had Braga that week uh, as well. Uh, went to extra time in that game. And obviously went all the way <laughs> against Celtic, um, mm. coming from behind as well. That was that was a big one for him, wasn't it? He had he had to win that game, uh, and I was glad he did. Uh, it was a, a fantastic performance from that, that Rangers side. Substitutions were terrific that came on at the time, uh, and it was a, a, an old firm win to remember. Yeah, and it, and it felt like for Van Bronckhorst at that time because it looked like. The league was gone. That felt very important for him to, to not only stop a, a treble, but get a, a piece of silverware, end Rangers' 13-year wait for the Scottish Cup or get him to the final, which then they were they were favourites for, and yeah. um, to, to eventually end the 13-year wait for the Scottish Cup, um, which he did. Uh, and, and you're right, I, I remember at the time the whole rhetoric around Rangers looking like the fitter than most teams because they continually went to, to extra time um, uh, I think around that time, you know, taking it to, to Leipzig away as well, there was just such a, I imagine inside the club, there had been such an infectious optimism because there was a real belief amongst that group of players that Rangers could go in, uh, and, and win the Europa League. Um, you, you take it away to RB Leipzig, and I remember being over there and um, I was sitting next to a good friend of the show, David Edgar, who had the most stressful 90 minutes <laughs> seen. Um, because it, because it was, you know, Rangers sat in and they were compact and they had to yeah. take the tie back to Ibrox because until about 75, 80 minutes, uh, they almost did. Um, there was a couple of, you know, near moments, a couple of scares. Uh, I think it was Angelino eventually scored from a corner, but yeah, Rangers needed to get that tie back to Ibrox with victory still a possibility. And they needed to set up a result that made the result at Ibrox feel possible for the fans. And, and that game, I think, is, is a game that... That, that will stick the most out of anyone's memory simply because there was just a general feeling, I think, when you went into the stadium that Rangers were going to win it, even though you have Leipzig there who um, were such a good team, had so many good quality players, Rangers had no sense of forward, let's not forget that. But again, this is what Van Bronckhorst was good at. He could adapt to opponents, make up these clever little game plans. It wasn't as effective at breaking down a, a St. Johnston or a St. Mirren at home. But when it came to, I think, to these two-legged European ties, he just really seemed to seem to come into his own. 
Yeah, he certainly did. And I watched the, the Leipzig home game. I must say, I must admit, Joshua, when the team came out for that game and I seen there was no strikers uh, on the pitch, I worried. I was concerned that the run was coming to an end. However, uh, what what um, what followed suit was uh, quite incredible. Uh, I watched mm-hmm. in a Rangers pub in uh, Bernal Medina, no less, which is a fantastic little place if you've been there, folks. But um, yeah, you were at the ground, Joshua. Was that the greatest uh, Ibrox atmosphere you've ever experienced? Pro- yeah, probably. I mean, obviously, it's kind of confirmation bias at points, but I just remember when that second goal goes in, and obviously in the press box, you just kind of, you get to really take in what's going on around you yeah. and the celebrations and the celebrations at full time at that second goal, um, especially because Rangers go into that 2-0 lead within a good time in the first half and then could have made it three um, had Joe Rebo scored that goal. Um, and there was just a um, yeah, the, 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 there was just I think a belief that the Rangers would win it, and and Leipzig obviously come back, and Kunku scores a fantastic goal, and you see the quality you're up against, and you see the quality the Rangers have managed to to keep quiet for large parts of that game. I think Alan McGregor had made a fantastic save just before that, um, and then John Lundstrom, who kind of defined that European run in, in many ways. Um, pops up with with a goal after Ryan Kent kind of chips on towards the back post and and the, the post-match scenes after that were obviously really special as well um I think that was just around the time that, that Lundstrom was becoming a bit of a, a cult hero um yeah. but yeah that, that atmosphere was was incredible and, and the game was incredible yeah unfortunately they, they couldn't do the business uh, in the league uh they <laughs> would uh, deliver the Scottish Cup after that long wait um which was came off the back of the, the hugely disappointing uh, Europa League final. They gave their all, Joshua. Penalties is such a cruel way uh, to lose any game of football. Mm. Just ask uh, France recently. Um, uh, but I just didn't... With Aaron Ramsey was stepping up to, to, to hit the ball, I just I, I just felt a... It just it didn't feel right. There was a, a feeling in my stomach that he was going to miss, and unfortunately he did. Uh, I'll forever say that Fashion Sakala should have stayed on to hit a penalty. He hits him for Zambia. And that I'll, I'll wake up in cold sweats uh, from here on in, thinking he should have been given the opportunity to, to hit a penalty. Um, but that Joe Rebo goal will live long in the memory. Uh, Rangers weren't at their best in that the final. Finals are usually uh, tense affairs, but when the Rebo scored, uh, yeah, it, w- it was uh, it was quite something. What a sight that was to see Rangers lead uh, in a European final. Unfortunately, they just couldn't hold on. Yeah, I mean, it was a game again that. I remember writing um, after that game and, and one of the, the piece from the game and one of the things I was trying to get across was just how anxious the atmosphere is in a, in a game like that. And and I guess you always think as a player you'd maybe try and negate that or or just play a game as as if it was any other, but it's not. Um, Rangers limited uh, Frankfurt a lot, but they, they it wasn't a great game from a, from a Rangers perspective. They didn't have many opportunities. Um, whereas I think Frankfurt played pretty well, um, but then Rangers got all the way to, to penalties under Van Bronckhorst. He kind of got them as far yeah. um, as he could have got them, um, and, and of course you're always going to look back and be like, well, what if this happened? Uh, what if that happened? If Sakala misses, then you're probably saying, well, Ramsey should have come on, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah, they were so close, and you know we were out in Seville together, um, an amazing experience to, to work on that game and, and cover that game, and. Um, yeah, they'll always they'll always be so close to 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 um, been been winning that final. It wasn't it wasn't like two thousand and eight for me. I was a lot younger, but um, it, it was real and, and it was possible up until kind of the last kick, few kicks of the ball. Um, but they, they just I think took the penalties better at Eintracht Frankfurt, didn't they? Yeah. And, um, again, and Rangers were were so close. 
Yeah, and apart from the uh, the game and, of course, uh, the, the shambolic organisation at, at the stadium uh, aside, it was great to see so many Rangers supporters over there. Uh, many people mixing with people they've not seen in years as well, which, uh, yeah, you really had to... It was really one of those occasions where you had to soak it in and just enjoy being there. And it, it was great to see so many, so many bears over there. Um, the following season, well, now we're into 2022-23 uh, season, Joshua. A number of signings were made. Um, however, uh, PSV Eindhoven uh, aside and well, started off in disastrous uh, fashion when I was over in Belgium, yeah. uh, when Union Saint-Gilles was um, 1-2-0 over there. Rangers were a disaster, um, but they came back, won 3-0 at Ibrox, uh, then put PSV Eindhoven out, who are a, a top, top side. Uh, what followed then was uh, an absolute uh, car crash of a Champions League campaign mm. where heavy defeats were inflicted by Liverpool, Napoli and Ajax. Uh, uh, it would then that those uh, results would uh, seep into the league performances and Giovanni van Bronckhorst would lose his job and Michael Beale would be appointed. And it's four out of four heading into Monday, Joshua. So uh, are things now looking up for the second half of the season? Well, I, I mean, I think the the situation that Michael Beale inherits is so impacted by the old firm defeat and the Champions League defeat, and I think the, the confidence that now, in hindsight, you can look back on that and say um, that, that kind of from that old firm defeat, which I think was very early September. I might be wrong with that; it might have been late August. But um, you have that game in PSV, where again, it's a game that suits Van Bronckhorst because it's not necessarily about breaking a team down, but it's about having a clever tactical plan and um, I thought Rangers were excellent over in Eindhoven um, against the team that you know you see Cody Gakpo going to Liverpool there's no doubting uh, their level of quality and um, they obviously beat Ajax as well recently in the Eredivisie so um, yeah, top side top, top side yeah uh, but then you you compare that to I was uh, the, the PSV game and the Ajax game and it felt like you were watching a different team you know, Rangers in all their years at this group in Europe with this this spine of, of the, the, the squads have never kind of been um, cut through like they were in that Champions League campaign. And, and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst obviously often spoke about the level and whether he thought that was true, whether it was an excuse to try and get him through um, the, the messaging he was trying to use, well, I guess we, we'll never really know. But for me, that argument never really held that much um, legitimacy because... I guess, firstly, as, as a group of players, you want to be there. So if, if you want to play with the best, then you've got to kind of, you can't moan if they're if they're really good or they have a lot of money um, if you want to be in that competition. But also, if you look at the teams that they'd played compared to where they were at, you know, th think of where Porto were at when Rangers played them, Villarreal in that first season. Thank the teams you. in the, yeah, yeah, and, and the teams in the, the, the um, Europa League run. I mean, I remember... Um, writing the, the same line hundreds of times, but if Rangers' European um, future, you know, where they could go, if it was dictated by uh, financial strength and the, the road to Seville would have stopped in Dortmund. And I think ever since those comments in Ajax, which came just after the 4-0 the defeat in the old firm, it felt like Rangers were in a, in a mini crisis that was just kind of waiting, waiting to end. Um, and there was times where that seemed to, you know, release a little bit. Remember when they beat Hearts and St Mirren 4-0 back to back and um, they got through, I remember that Dundee United game, the 2-1 game where they kind of just got through it against a really poor Dundee United side oh, and I think everyone could see that domestically it's going to be 
it's going to take a lot for, for Van Bronckhorst football to win the league just because of its style and, and maybe lack of, of suitability. And I think that uh, speaks to the situation that Michael Beale inherits. I'll, you know, he obviously, I think, in the post-match press conference, which I know you and Johnny were speaking about yesterday, Derek, he, he, was, he wasn't uh, angry, but he was really frustrated because I think he wanted his the team at this stage to be playing better football, to be more kind of recognisable with what he wants to do. And, and I don't know if that's maybe because a lot of these players played under him before and he thought that muscle memory would kick in quicker. Um, but a few times he's spoken about the situation that the players have been in and that he inherits. He's used the word, the, the trauma of the last few months that they've been through. So I, I think that Champions League campaign, which was the worst ever, will have had such an impact on the group and, and Beal's job then to kind of rebuild that confidence and, and then as he said when he came back in, rebuild the kind of value of a lot of these players who had, because uh, it had fallen so much since that final, Derek, but not only the final, since the game against PSV, which is only, you know, at the end of August. Yeah. Uh, John Park gets in touch and says, uh, Rangers were in the toughest Champions League group. Napoli and Liverpool were a class act. I fancy Napoli to go far in the <laughs> tournament. So do I, John. I think that they'll, they're the dark horses out there, but there's some big, big sides in that competition. Um, let's get to one or two of the, the comments coming in. And of course, huge game coming up on Monday. Um, let's get, well, Kenny says, uh, just looking back on the European trips, uh, there's a moral to this story. Don't let Derek go to European away games. Um uh, What's your record? Well, you, you were in Eindhoven, Josh, or so there. Yeah, I was in Eindhoven, so yeah. I think that kind of trumps everything. But yeah. I, I need, I'd need yeah. to count. It's probably not that much better than yours, Derek, but you've got the, <laughs> you, you've built up the reputation, so if it, if it gets me on yeah. more trips away. Uh, but Eindhoven was the standout. Neither of us were in Dortmund, so maybe you know yeah. both of us shouldn't go. Yeah, I've yet to see Rangers win away in, in Europe. They're, they're few and far between, I've got to say, uh, <laughs> Rangers' victories on the continent. Um, Mark Gould gets in touch. Hi, Mark. Uh, he says, uh, crucial we get the first goal on Monday. Also need the fans to stay with the team uh, if, if we don't. Um, this is interesting because Malik Tillman touched on this uh, in his post-match press conference the other night there, uh, Joshua, where he said that he had said that the fans uh, need to uh, support them if, if, they're, if they perform then they'll do. The players will do great on the pitch. So I think it's as a collective on Monday, isn't it? I'm sure that listen, the fans are going to be up for it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Michael Beale make sure he'll get the players up for it. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, you just hope that the supporters stay uh, with the team. I'm sure they will do because uh, I think they've seen enough from this Michael Beale side to see that there's uh, shoots of recovery there. Yeah, I mean, all it takes, obviously, is is one victory, uh, but equally a defeat. If you go 12 points behind, then um, you, you're kind of back where you started. So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult game for Beale to go into, but um, I'm, I'm sure he'll be confident that at home, um, if he can get this side to be a bit more aggressive off the ball. And, and obviously, there's some elements of the game that I think an old firm will just take care of. You know, the tempo, which... Wasn't great against Motherwell. I don't think that'll be the same in an old firm game. Um, Beal had a, a good record against Celtic last time out, but it's kind of a bit of a step into the unknown because you know Celtic have had those two um, commanding wins at home in, in this uh, the old firm this year. They were obviously both against the Van Bronckhorst team that I think the first three 0 game was just a bit of a, a disaster. Um, in the way that Rangers allowed Celtic to constantly get into the final third, and, and the second one, the four 0 game was. A bit of a combination of things, wasn't it? Because you had those two goals that came from quick restarts that Rangers just didn't uh, react to. And there was obviously some scar tissue from from the previous defeat. Uh, if he can go and get a result, then I think it changes everything. You know, we've, we've spoken a lot about is the, the league still on? If, if Rangers get a result, then of, of course it is, because six points isn't insurmountable and also kind of changes the narrative 
um, around uh, their season and, and what could be achieved from it. Um, you've also got to remember that there's still a lot of players out for Rangers. Well, Alfredo Morelos be back for it. Um, who I, I thought was starting to look a bit more like his old self um, against Motherwell. Uh, that, yeah. that goal that he almost scored when he turns the defender and then turns the keeper and then back heels it in would have been the Morelos goal to end all Morelos goals. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Um, so I think it depends a lot how, how these players play. I'd be interested to know what people think the team will be. I, I tend to think that Malik Tillman will be pushed up higher into the into the front three maybe with a kind of Kamara, Jack and Lundstrom midfield. Partly because I think the, the the main storyline of Beale's first few games from a tactical point of view has been that off the ball Rangers have been quite easy to play through um, and that you know he, he, he'll want them to be a lot more robust off the ball so I wonder if Tillman might just join Kent and Morelos in the front three and, and have a little bit more freedom which she seems to like to kind of uh, run beyond and, and sit high at the park. Yeah, well, at this point, uh, touching on Morelos, uh, Joshua, you, you watched him hobbling off the other night there. Uh, John says uh, Morelos better be fit for Monday. Um, Michael Beale was asked in the press conference about it. He says uh, he felt a, a tightness in his hamstring. Uh, that's why he came off. He did add that, that he didn't want to risk Kamar Roof and Antonio Cholak uh, the other night. However, they've not played uh, much. Uh, they've yeah. obviously been training, but they haven't played any games recently. Um, Fashion Sakala has played games. Uh, I think it's touched wood that Morelos is fit because he is Rangers' um, best option up top at the moment. Joshua, would you agree? Well, I, I think Bill said that if Morelos wasn't fit, then Roof and Cholak would just split the minutes or something along those lines. Um, okay. They're all, they've obviously trained, so they they could have played the other night, but I guess it's about not risking them. So I, my guess would be if Morelos isn't fit, that you'd see Cholak start and Roof come on off the bench mm. and just read between the lines with, with what Beal said. But I think he will be fit because I th- it looked like a preventative sub and when Beal was asked, I think it was on Sky, he was asked, will he be fit? He said, knowing Alfredo, he will be. Um, I'd be surprised if Morelos uh, misses this game. And if he has a big performance, then it can obviously have a big impact for Rangers. I think you saw on, on um, what was it, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, um, Borna Barisic, uh, you saw why he suits that system a little bit more than, than um, Van Bronckhorst's yeah. system. We've got a piece on the website this morning about Lowry. He plays slightly deeper and I quite like that role. Um for him, even though he didn't have a brilliant game. I mean, there's context needed within that. It's his fourth yeah. week start. Um, I don't think you can really make many judgments um, off a young player after that amount of football. But I quite like the way that they tried to use him kind of deeper in the pitch and, and allow Barisic to go higher. Obviously, worked quite well for the goal. Uh, and, and Goldson and Davies, this will be their third game playing together. Although Rangers haven't looked great defensively and there's been a couple of moments where Davies has, has, has maybe switched off a little bit, I think it looks a whole lot better with them there. I think often the problem has been in front of them, as, as Beal spoke about again, we've got a piece on the website about this, um, speaking about giving up possession unopposed and an issue that he didn't really think he would have to have to fix when he came back into the club. Um, that's what he pinpointed as an area Rangers needed to work on over the next um, three to four days. And, you know, they'll need to be a lot better off the ball um, when they're pressing to win it back, but also when they're trying to sit in their shape um, if they're going to get a, a result on Monday. Yeah, that Lowry uh, article, folks, I'll just pop it into the uh, comments section so you can have a little read at it uh, uh, when, when you want to. Um Let's get to one or two more comments coming in. Some interesting questions being posed here. Um, Baz gets in touch. Midfield is the biggest debate on Monday. What is their best three three choice? Honestly, couldn't guess. It's an interesting one. Um, 
I'm I'm scratching my head, uh, Josh, as to who's going to be the best uh, trio there. Um, Kamara, we know Michael Beale has said that he's he's needing an operation. I'm not quite sure where, what body part it is. I assume maybe it's perhaps the knee or or something like that. He says he's playing through the pain, as is John Lundstrom. Ryan Jack, of course. Uh, I don't think he was great the other night, to be honest. Um, But there was a number of players that were slightly off par. Um, who would you select in that that midfield three? Of course, no Stephen Davis as well. So um, it'll be an interesting one. One uh, selection dilemma for Michael Beale there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you say, we don't know what the issue is with Kamara. Um, he came. Did he come on against Motherwell? He came yeah, on he night. yeah, for just. A, I mean, I think he definitely plays. Um, I don't think Lundstrom and Jack have looked uh, great either. Part of me just thinks he will go for that kind of robust midfield three. Um, I guess what's the what's the other alternative? Because as well as looking at what's your best midfield three, I guess you probably know nine or ten of the players. If you take the back four, you know who it's going to be. The goalkeeper, you know who it's going to be. That's five. Tillman is going to play. Kent and Morello is going to play. Um, Kamara is going to play. Probably Lundstrom. So then you've got to decide, well, do you go with Sakala and go with two goal scorers and risk Tillman in the midfields? Um, especially when... There's so much. Now, he's spoken about wanting to play Tillman as a number eight, so maybe he will. But when you have that defensive responsibility in this system, does he bring in Scott Arfield maybe to play in that role? Does he go with Ryan Jack? I tend to think he I tend to think he might just uh, might go for, for, for that kind of midfield three that's got slightly more defensive nous about it. But then, again, to go back to previous comments, he was uh, made an interesting comment about his backroom staff in his last press conference where he was saying, it's good to have a fresh pair of eyes when when Beal goes to Pesodri and he says this is a difficult place yeah. to go and maybe wants to have a certain team selection and they have, a, I think he said, a fresher perspective on it. So maybe will, Rangers will try to go with two goal scorers in the front line and Sakala for all his, what he doesn't have, would you put it beyond him scoring a goal in, in the game on Monday? Not at all because he just seems to pop up with goals yeah. um, most time that, that he's on the pitch and then try and... Um, get ahead and, and be a little bit more hard to beat in the second half. Um, or will Rangers try and play the long game? Uh, yeah, I, I've absolutely no idea. He's not went for that conservative midfield selection yet. Um, so m- maybe this will be the first opportunity. But I think the, when Rangers probably looked their best so far in the Beal going forward was when they moved to a more of a 4-3-3 against um, Hibs in that second half. When Stephen yeah, Stephen Davis came on, who obviously isn't an option, it just allowed Kamara to go a bit higher on on the left and link up with with Ken and, and Divine on that day. Um, I, I think he'll be a, a big player if Rangers were to get a victory Kamara because he was so good for Beal and Gerrard and the the old firms when uh, when Beal was here last. Yeah, um, Aldo Aldo makes a point here and it ties in with what Michael Beal said. He says they need to go from he- for hell for Leller uh, from the off. Uh, it's going to be your typical old firm game, of course. Tackles flying in all over the place. It's important the Rangers start with that intensity that Celtic will no doubt start with. We all know that they tire near the end of games. Um, but it'll be an intriguing one that there is no question about it. Um, let's get, get to the, watch one more comment before we, we wrap up for the day. Origami Dinosaur uh, points this out. I'm really interested to see how yeah. Tillman does in this game. He's a really exciting player. I'd be over the moon for him to shine in this game. Me too. Um, I think he's been a standout for Rangers recently. Um, we all know of his talent. I think just that the work rate side of things is something that, that's still leveled at him. But we have to remember it's his first full season in senior football, uh, I think he's, he's he's a right right good talent, Joshua, and uh, I really want him to turn up in this game because he can be 
the game changer. Some of the touches the other night were, were sublime. Great to see him get his goal as well. Um, he'll be a player that I'm sure Celtic will be trying to keep a close eye on. I think he was the game passed him by at Parkhead. He wasn't the only one earlier on in the season. However, at Ibrox, um, I think he, he could revel in that atmosphere. Yeah, he could. I mean, <clears throat> kind of feels like Tillman's um, managed to push the scales a bit more in his favour over the last couple of weeks. And if he had a good performance in an old firm game, then I think it would would confirm it. For me, he's quickly becoming one of Rangers' most important players. Uh, Buell said himself the other day that he's always had a moment in the games he's been here so far, which has obviously been uh, important given where um, Rangers are at. And um, we've got a piece coming on in some, on him tomorrow, which looks a little bit at what his best position is, what Buell thinks, what previous managers um, I've, I've, I've said on that, how, he's, how his numbers look um, over the course of the season um, and, and, and kind of what he's, what he's giving Rangers as well as those goal contributions. And he's, he's, you know, he scored a few important goals, I think, back to the win against Motherwell. And he got the deciding goal in that game. The win against Hearts just before the World Cup break, he got the deciding goal there. Um, and, and another one which I can't remember off the top of my head as well is the goal against Motherwell um, in midweek. Um, he'll be a, such an important player for Rangers if they are to, to get a result because I think he's their, probably their most informed attacker. And he's quite unpredictable um, when he gets the ball. I, I thought they're not in the first half when he almost played through Tavernier, summed it up quickly. Similarly to that assist against Hibs for Morelos, he does things quicker than you realise. Yeah. To, to us just watching uh, on the side that you realise it's a possibility. And sometimes you have to go back. And I didn't actually realise he'd not make that player um, when he almost tried to play in Tavernier. Uh, and, and I think that's his big skill. If you can isolate him one v one, he can go either side. You need a big performance as well from Ryan Kent, who, although he he wasn't the man of the match, I I, I was also a bit surprised at the kind of. I, I don't think he was terrible. You know, he, he no. plays the ball into Morelos for the third goal. He's involved in the first one. He has a few rusty moments, but again, considering the overall team, considering how the overall team played, which which wasn't brilliant. I think Ken's looked a lot better under under Beal. Um, yeah. Again, maybe he just needs a, a, another big performance, and you can understand that when it's been a bit of an underwhelming season. But I was I was a little bit surprised when the reaction to him getting the man of the match because although he wasn't, uh, I don't think he was the man of the match. Probably Tillman was for me, or, or uh, Beal said he thought it was Barisic. I certainly don't think he was the worst player on the pitch that night. No, no, I, I don't agree either. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Joshua. I think it's, it's a big game for Ryan Kent as well. And he has looked like he's got a lot more belief and confidence playing in this uh, Michael Beale side. Mm-hmm. With that, that free role, he's picking up positions all across that front three and coming deep as well. So uh, let's hope he has a, a good game on Monday. Um, okay, that'll do us there, folks. It's our, our last show of 2022. So uh, happy new year mm-hmm. uh, when it comes. There is a press conference uh, later on this afternoon. Uh, we'll bring you all the, the fallout from that on the website and on our social media channels on Twitter and Facebook. So uh, stay tuned uh, for all of that. Uh, and then we'll be back, of course, on Monday uh, for all the pre-match reaction. We'll have the, 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 the team news reaction when the teams drop at Ibrox. Uh, and we'll have all the usual stuff uh, from the ground uh, as well. That's what we're celebrating, uh, a first three points of 2023. Um, okay, that'll do us there. Uh, enjoy your Friday and your weekend. And we'll speak to you again on Monday. Bye for now.